Hey, I'm Michael Wood, lead pastor at First West. Thank you so much for joining us today. Here in just a second, we're gonna dive into God's word and to see what it says about who he is, about who we are, and about the hope that can be found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray that today God's word will encourage you, it'll challenge you, and it'll allow you to see that no matter where we find ourselves, there's always hope because of Jesus Christ. So let's dig in and see what God has for us today in his word. Today in... 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we're going to see that Paul instructs the Corinthian women to exhibit their submission to male authority in public worship of the church by having their head covered when ministering in the assembly. So let's dig in. I want to invite you to stand with me as we read from God's word. Beginning in verse 2. Now I praise you because you remember me in everything. And hold fast to the traditions just as I delivered them to you. But I want you to know that Christ is the head of every man. And the man is the head of every woman. And God is the head of Christ. Every man who prays or prophesies with something on his head dishonors his head. And every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. Since that is one and the same as having her head shaved. For if a woman doesn't cover her head, she should have her hair cut off. But if it is disgraceful for a woman to have her hair cut off or to have her head shaved, let her head be covered. A man should not cover his head because he is the image and glory of God. So too woman is the glory of man. For woman did not come, I'm sorry, for man did not come from woman, but woman came from man. Neither was man created for the sake of woman, but woman for the sake of man. This is why a woman should have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. In the Lord, however, a woman is not independent of man, and a man is not independent of woman. For just as a woman came from man, so man comes through woman, and all things come from God. Judge for yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not even nature itself teach you that man has long hair? It's a disgrace to him, but that if a woman has long hair, it is for her glory? For her hair is given to her as a covering. If anyone wants to argue about this, we have no other custom, nor do the churches of God. Now, here's the deal. I'm worn out just reading that. (laughs) We're going to pray and ask God's blessing to help us understand it. Father, today we come to you. We're grateful for the fact that we believe you have received worship today in this gathered body. As we have sung to you, as we have given testimony about how you're at work, as we have seen these men follow through in obedience and baptism. And God, now we come to worship you in the preaching of your word. We submit ourselves underneath it and we ask that God, even in a text like this that can bring such confusion and even such strong emotions, Lord, I pray that you would help us. Spirit of God, would you help us to understand to the best of our ability what you're saying and what you mean and what you mean for our life and and how that connects to who you are and your character and what you have for us. So, Spirit of God, would you just be at work in this time? In Jesus' name, amen. What are we chasing after today? And again, I understand the nature of this passage. Right, some of you, you, just in what we read, you're like, man, I'm out. I'm out. But I think God has a word for us today. Today, 
Look at this passage. Here's our takeaway is that we honor God by obeying his rightful design. We honor God by obeying his rightful design. Now, as we dig into this, there's several things that we need to understand. The first one is this, is that God has a biblical design for marital and ecclesiological headship. That's a fancy word of just saying that God has designed in the nature of some relationships, there is an order. Specifically in the marriage relationship, and I would even say it's in, in, in the relationship in the church. When we look at Ephesians chapter 5, Paul is going to give instruction in the marriage relationship. And he's going to say to the woman that she is to submit to the leadership of her husband. In the same way, we see in the New Testament this understanding of the leadership in the church is to be led, the role of pastor is to be led by a male, all right? Now, at the same time, with the instruction we see in Scripture, in the home and in the church, there is clear instruction that's given to those that are leading those, right? Paul's going to say to the husband that you are to lead your wife as Christ um, you were to love your wife as Christ loved the church, and he demonstrated that love by giving himself for her. So this idea of order and design that God has put in place is not one of the man being superior to the female and the female simply existing for the wishes of the male. But the call there in spiritual leadership is that the male would serve and sacrifice, that he would give himself to his wife. In the same way, in 1 Peter chapter 5, instruction given to pastors, to elders, to overseers, bishops, the same word. He would say there that they are to pastor willingly, eagerly, not lording over the people, but being an example to the flock. So God has given order in the home and in the church for what spiritual leadership is to look like. And he's given some clear instructions of what that is to be like. So that's the first thing we need to understand. The second thing we need to understand is that this idea of head coverings is more than just a head covering. Because you see, a head covering communicates something, right? A head covering communicates something. You say, wait a second, what do you mean by that? Well, here I have this nice blue hat. It's kind of dirty because I've worn it a lot. On the back, it has an NFL logo. And on the front, it has a D. For the Dallas Cowboys, that's right. Now listen, if I put this hat on, some of you are having a fit right now, aren't you? <laughs> some of you are taking a picture right now and be like, I cannot believe that pastor at First West, he preached with a hat on, didn't he? Right? Because, right, we recognize in our culture that to wear a hat in worship, right, is... Some people would say, many people would say, it is irreverent, right? As you notice, there's, I don't believe anybody wearing a hat in here today, right? There's a cultural expectation that when you come to church, you don't wear a hat. Well, I'm wearing a hat right now in this room while preaching, right? And for some of you, it's very, very uncomfortable. Now, listen, I'm not preaching the entire time with it, but I want to preach long enough that you Saints fans can look up from your cell phone watching the game and see that D on my head, all right? <laughs> listen. Even if I were to do this, that communicates something, doesn't it? Right? It does. If you were to walk in a baseball field like this, my head coach when I was in high school said, turn that hat around, right? It communicates something. So head coverings communicate something. Well, in this culture, 
that Paul is writing to, a specific group of people in a specific setting, it communicated something about relationships. And so, let's dig in and see what instruction Paul is trying to give here to help the church navigate how to honor the Lord and how to honor one another. Look at me beginning in verse 3 through 6. First thing I want you to see here in verse 3 through 6 is simply this. Living faithfully in God's design brings honor. Living faithfully in God's design brings honor. Verse 3. But I want you to know that Christ is the head of every man. And the man is the head of the woman. And God is the head of Christ. You can see here in verse 3, he is linking almost in the sense of a chain. That Christ is the head of man, man is the head of the woman, and God is the head of Christ. And what I think Paul is trying to show here is that everyone has a head. Now we know literally everyone has a head. But he's saying here in the sense of authority. The sense of authority. Some would argue that this is speaking of origin or source or even one that would be preeminent or first. But I think the right interpretation here is authority. He's saying a man has a head in Christ. The woman has the head in man. And that Christ has the head in God. Now, I also want to point out here that almost every time that Paul is going to use man and woman this closely connected in his writings, he is referring to a husband and a wife. I can't say definitively for sure that Paul is speaking here and thinking in the relationship of a man and a wife. I believe that he is. Scholars believe that he is. But we see here that he is connecting this headship and this understanding of authority. And then in verse 4, he gives us two different situations. The first one in verse 4, he says, Every man who prays or prophesies with something on his head dishonors his head. So when the man would pray or prophesy, would participate in public worship as a gathered body, Paul's saying that when the man covers his head, he is dishonoring his head. And I believe that he means that in the literal sense, in the figurative sense. He's dishonoring himself when he does it, but at the same time, he is dishonoring Christ when he does it. Why? Why is the man dishonoring his head when he covers his head? Several reasons. Number one, in that culture, the pagan priests, when they would offer sacrifices to idols, would cover their head before they made a sacrifice. You're just going to have to bear with me with my voice today. I'm sorry. So, the pagan priests, that's what they would do. So Paul's saying, listen, for the men, when you're covering your head and participating in worship, there can be confusion because you're doing what all this false, uh, all this false uh, worship of idols is participating in. Secondly, it was believed that in that day, those that would wear a toga, right, we're familiar with the idea of a toga. The toga, which would supply the opportunity to cover your head, was only worn by the socially elite. So Paul's understanding there is, listen, men, if you're coming into worship and you're covering your head, it means that you're coming into worship wearing this toga. In a sense, you're flaunting your, show, your social status. And that doesn't bring honor to the Lord. That brings dishonor to the Lord if you're trying to communicate your worth and your value based on what you own. But I think more importantly for Paul, he understood that covering their head communicated 
the misunderstanding of the husband as his role as spiritual leader. So for the husband to cover his head was dishonor. But then in verse 5, every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. So why the difference here? How come if the man covers his head, it's dishonoring, but if the woman and her participation in, participation in worship uncovers, why is that dishonoring? Well, I would say several reasons here. Number one, in that culture, for a woman to be in the community, in the city with her head uncovered, was a sign of sexual, it was a sexual innuendo in a sense. It communicated a message. It communicated in some ways that you were available. And when I say available, I don't just mean that you were available like you were single, but that you were available tonight. Are you with me on that? It communicated something very, very significant. On the other hand, a lady in that city, in that culture at that time, to wear a, her hair covered, or to, yeah, to cover herself as she made her way in the community, it communicated something of a woman who was respectful, who was modest, and who intended to stay there, or to stay that way. But understand for Paul, this is where I think he's getting at and what he's trying to communicate in this very difficult passage. Is it for Paul... And hear me, we don't know the motive of why these ladies were participating in worship with their heads uncovered. Some may have sensed that they had this newfound freedom now that they were in Christ. We just heard Paul talking about this freedom in chapter 8, 9, and 10. Could it have been that they were trying to, to rebel? They knew what they were doing and they were choosing to push against and to rebel against God's design. We're not sure. But I think for Paul, that this uncovered head in worship, it meant that women were communicating that they were not relating properly to God's ordained male leadership in the home. And so he's saying, when you're doing this, ladies, when you're participating in worship with your head covered, you are communicating that you have stepped outside of what is God's design for the order that he has placed in the home and in the church. And so he says here that when you do that, you are dishonoring your head. In a sense, for the wife, you are dishonoring the leadership that God has called your husband to when you are doing this in public worship. Now hear me. I feel the weight of this. And I understand what some of you may be feeling at this moment. Like, come on. What are you talking about? It seems as if Paul here is trying to just say, woman, know your role. Stay in your lane right? It seems as if Paul's trying to communicate here that the women you're of less value, right? And listen, we're going to get to that in just a moment. But I want you, before we allow that pendulum to swing so hard to this side of just saying, man, that is unfair, that is not right, that Paul should be saying these things, Understand that already in this book, we have seen Paul be a voice for women that that community and culture would not have had a voice for. You may remember back in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, remember that sermon you were really uncomfortable when we talked about physical intimacy, all right? Remember, Paul said to the women, he said, ladies, you don't have a right over your body, the husband does. But he kept going. And he said, men, you don't have a right over your body, your wife does. Now understand, 
That would never have been said in that culture. Women would not have the ability to say that they have rights in any relationship in Corinth. But Paul was being a voice for women in that place. And I think we see that throughout Paul's writing that that, that for women, there is that call to submit to the leadership, the spiritual leadership of their husbands. And at the same time, that for men, it was clear that they were not to lord that leadership over their wives, but they were to lead them with sacrificial, servant-hearted service. So I believe here in this passage that, as Thomas Schreiner says, the adornment of women then reflects their relational or their relationship to the headship of men showing whether they rightly relate to this God-ordained authority. All right? Verse 6, we see how serious Paul's taking this. He says, for a woman doesn't cover her head, she should have her hair cut off. He says, but it is disgraceful for a woman to have her hair cut off or to have her head shaved. Let her head be covered. Understanding in that culture was for a woman to have her head shaved off meant that she was a lady of the night. That the pagan, at the pagan temples, often uh, worship would happen through prostitution and those ladies would have their head shaved. And in the community, a lady to have her head shaved was a sign of shame. And so Paul's trying to emphasize here the importance of understanding God's Design And the imperative that he gives there at the end of verse 6 is he calls the women for their heads to be covered. Now, I know what you're thinking, ladies. I didn't bring my head covering today. <laughs> right, I mean, that's the, maybe one of the first questions that come up. I mean, Paul's telling them, giving them instructions in public worship that the women are to have their head covered. So where are our head coverings today? Are you in sin because you're not wearing a head cover today? And I would say no. And the reason is this, is because one of the things that we do when we read the Bible, I've shared this this with you before, is that we have to work hard to understand what the Bible says and to try to do our best to understand what the Bible means. But then we have to do, and I want you to listen to this term. It's kind of a nerdy term. But we have to do the hermeneutical, that means that's the art of interpretation. We've got to do this hermeneutical interpretation. So what does what Paul said then, what does that mean for today? Well, let me ask you this. If a woman were to have come in here today and to have had a covering on her head, I have a high bit of confidence that no one in here would have said, hmm, that's a respectable woman right there. And I have a high level of confidence that when every single woman walked in here today, no one looked at them and went, hmm, we need to pray for her, right? We didn't do that. Because head coverings don't communicate anything in our culture, right? So, it, so what Paul is saying here, again, to a specific group of people in a specific situation about a specific moment here, that moment doesn't apply to us because head coverings, head coverings aren't applicable in the same way in our culture as they were here for Paul. Some of you go, okay, Michael, I'll give you that. But still, this idea of headship that you're talking about here. Michael, do you, do you not understand the advances that we've seen with women in our country over the last hundred years? 
Michael, do you not celebrate how we've seen ladies become all that they can be in our community and culture? And now you're telling me that this book, it truly is an archaic, patriarchal book that just wants to put women in their place. Michael, if this head covering thing is cultural, shouldn't this headship thing be cultural? And hear me clearly. I want every woman to be equipped and empowered to be all that God has created her to be. But at the same time, Paul's going to make it crystal clear here that God's design and the nature of a relationship and the spiritual leadership that takes place is not cultural. And we know that because we're going to see here that he is going to root his argument in creation. Look at me in verse 7. Second thing I want you to see today, beginning in verse 7, we'll go through verse 12, is that God's created order, God's created order or design reveals relational headship. God's created order design reveals relational headship. Look at me in verse 7 through verse 10. A man should not cover his head because he is the image and glory of God. So too women, or woman is the glory of man. For man did not come from woman, but woman came from man. Neither was man created for the sake of woman, but woman for the sake of man. This is why a woman should have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. So Paul here in making his argument of saying, ladies, I'm asking you to wear the head covering. Again, in this specific moment, in this situation, I'm asking you to wear it because it communicates your understanding of your relationship to your husband, right? To that relationship to the man. And he's saying that that relationship to the man is rooted in God's ordained design. And so what we see is that he's going to go all the way back and reference here in Genesis chapter 1, a reminder that Man and woman are created in the image of God, but also in Genesis chapter 2, where it tells us that the Lord God caused a deep sleep to come over the man, and he slept, and then God took one of his ribs and closed the flesh of that place, and the Lord God made uh, the rib he had taken into a woman and brought her to the man. And so we see there in God's initial design that he created the man first and then he created the woman from his side and he was, she was created to be his helpmate or his complement or his partner as they were to be about God's kingdom. And so when he says here in verse 7, 8, and 9, he's pointing to that understanding. The man was created in the image of and glory of God, so to woman is the glory of man. Now we know Paul understands that woman was created in the image of God as well. We're going to get to that in just a moment. But he's pointing out for us this understanding that this is God's design. And listen, some of you, you might be upset with me today. But listen, I'm just trying to do my very best to tell you what God's design has been from the very, very beginning. And that God in his sovereignty and his ultimate understanding of all things knows the importance of order. And for whatever reason, God doesn't have to give us his reason. But he has set it up and that the man would serve as that spiritual leader in the home. And I believe in the church. And so he says there in verse 9, neither was man created for the sake of woman, but woman for the sake of man. And he's referencing that idea of the woman coming along as the helper. And then in verse 10, he says something very interesting. 
This is why a woman should have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. As if this passage wasn't difficult enough. Paul, what the heck are you talking about? Because of the angels? That seems like it came really out of right field, huh? There's a lot of interpretations on what Paul's saying here about because of the angels. I think probably the best one is to understand this is a powerful reality. Is that when we worship, that the angels, they watch. They view us as we are worshiping the Lord. I believe it's in 1 Peter that it tells us that, that the angels, they long to understand the gospel and what redemption looks like and feels like. They know it, but they've never been redeemed. They don't know what it's like to worship from a heart that knows that you were far from God, but because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and being forgiven of our sin to worship from that place. And I think what he's saying here is he's calling, he's calling them to wear these head coverings and worship because when the angels watch and worship, they want to see that the order of God's design is being followed by his creation. For many of us in here, we've been to a football game before. We've seen those referees that are out there on the field. And what are those referees wearing? I'm going to let you all think about it for a second while I get a drink. They're wearing black and white stripes, right? Oh, gosh. <clears throat> Where'd that come from? I'm so glad the Lord's giving me a voice like this on a tough message like this. But listen, they're wearing black and white stripes, right? But what do they have on their heads? They got hats. There's a bunch of black hats, but are they all black hats? No, there's one white hat, right? And on that field, that covering that that referee is wearing that is white communicates something to his other officials, to the players on the field, to the coaches, and even the fans. What that white hat communicates is out of all these officials, that guy's the leader. He's the leader. Now let me ask you a question. Does that mean that any other official on that field has any less value as a person or as an official? No. When an official with a black hat, when he throws a flag, does his flag have any less consequences than when the white hat throws a flag? No. But you understand that in a situation like that, if there was not someone that was giving leadership, then chaos could ensue, right? But you see, even though there's a man with a white hat who is the leader, every single official has equal value and worth. And Paul wants to make sure to the church at Corinth, and even for some of us today that are hearing this and just saying, I can't believe this. This is such an archaic idea. I can't believe they don't support women, that the Bible would be so against the success of women. Paul's going to say, wait, 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 wait a second. I'm talking here about leadership. I'm not talking about worth and value. Look at what he says here in verse 11 and 12. <coughs> in the Lord, however... Woman is not independent of man, and man is not independent of woman. For just as woman came from man, so man comes through woman, and all things come from God. 
So Paul is instructing them here about this understanding of leadership. And before his readers would get to this place of misunderstanding, Paul saying that this is about the subject, subjugation of women, or saying that women have less value or worth in the eyes of God or to others, he says, wait, wait, no, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. Although woman did come from man, we see that in Genesis 2, what Paul also recognizes that every single man is here because of a woman. Ladies, can I get an amen? amen. Yeah. So any idea that a man would have to take a passage like this and to want to leverage this to push women down, Paul would say, you better stop right now. And at the same time, to any woman that would hear a passage like this and would feel devalued, would feel like they have a lack of worth to the Lord and to Others, Paul would say, stop right now. Because that's not what Paul is addressing here. He's not speaking. He's not saying that women are ontologically inferior here. He's simply speaking of God's design of headship and to point out that it is rooted from the very beginning in creation. Ladies, I would want to encourage you today. But the call to trust and to follow God's created order is not to take a back seat in your worth and value. Trusting God's designed order is not, hear me, it's not just to follow societal stereotypes about what a woman is supposed to be. For some of you here that are ladies, God has wired you and gifted you. You are a strong woman that is making an incredible influence and impact in our community, in our culture. And hear me, I think scripture affirms you and your pastor says, go get them. And yes, there have been abuses of this understanding of spiritual leadership where this understanding is propagated that women know your role, just do your homemaking skills and let men handle the important stuff. And let me be clear, that may be pushed in society, but that is not pushed in the word of God. But I do want you to hear today that God does have a design. It's about trusting God's order is him knowing what's best. And men, let me tell you today, as he's again laying this out of his design, the order that he has for these relationships, I hope today you hear this not as a right, but you hear it as a weight and a responsibility. And if you don't believe me of, that these two things can exist at the same time of a submission to spiritual leadership and at the same time have an equal value and worth, remember what Paul has said here in verse 3. Right? If we can kind of circle back up real quick to verse 3. Right? That the head of man is Christ. And that the head of woman is man. But look at that very last part. And the head of Christ is God, or God is the head of Christ. Now, all throughout Paul's writings, it is clear he understands Jesus of Nazareth to be the Messiah. He is the Lord. He is 100% divine. He is equal to God in essence. So if Jesus is equal to God in essence and value and worth, how can God the Father be the head 
of Christ. And I think that's answered when we see the son, this is Philippians 2, submitting himself to the will of the father. And in his earthly ministry, as he often said, I'm here to do what the father tells me to do. And I'm here to say what the father tells me to say. But at no point in Christ's existence within creation as he walked among us, was he ever less than fully divine? So it may be hard for us to wrap our brains around, but ladies, I hope you see that a call to submit to spiritual leadership is something that even Christ himself was willing to do. It's not an ask to devalue you or to lower your worth, but it's to trust God's good design. Last thing I'll give us real quickly here, because I know you're tired of hearing my voice like this. I'm tired of hearing my voice like this. Paul backs it up, not just with an argument of creation, but two other things here. Verse 13 through 16, natural distinctions in the unified church support Paul's intention. He said, judge for yourself, is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not even nature itself teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a disgrace to him. But if a woman has long hair, it is for her glory. Some of you are like, wait a second, Michael, you used to be the youth pastor here and you had long hair. What a disgrace, right? I do think for time's sake, although we can't know exactly what Paul is saying here about long hair, but I I think Paul's understanding here is he says it's a disgrace that this long hair, and in his mind he's thinking about long hair on a man that's worn in a feminine way. That a man would not just have long hair, but he would be trying to leverage that long hair to give the appearance of being feminine. But he says the long hair for a woman that is worn that way, it is her glory. It is seen as a mark of beauty. And what Paul's doing here, he's pointing out the distinctions. And so he's making an argument for nature. Now, here's what we realize. In our culture today, that's not as strong of an argument. Why? Because we live in a postmodern culture that wants to throw nature out the window, right? And they say there are no gender distinctions, right? You just do whatever you want. But Paul understands that deep down, what we know to be true so he says, listen, for a man to take that hair and to wear it in a feminine way, he says that's a disgrace. But for the woman, it is her glory. So there's an argument from nature. And the last thing we see here in verse 16, if anyone wants to argue about this, we have no other custom. I think he's speaking there to the apostles, to the leaders, nor do the churches of God. What a passage, right? And I've said this quite a bit as I've had the opportunity to pass you now for eight years. I always reserve the right to be wrong. I've tried to approach this passage with humility. It is a challenging passage. And let me tell you this. When you commit to preach through a book of the Bible, the very beginning, you're aware of sermons that are going to be coming down the way. And this is one that I've seen coming. And I pray today that it's been helpful for you. I pray it's been helpful for you to give some understanding, but let me give you several takeaways and then we'll be done. What are some takeaways from a challenging passage like this? Number one, ladies, next Sunday, wear a head covering if you want or don't. I don't care. (laughs) Whatever you want to do. 
More importantly, be reminded of God's ordained plan in headship. Husbands, let this be an opportunity to remind you that you are to lead in such a way that your wives will joyfully trust and respect your leadership. Serve her well. And again, know that that call to be the spiritual leader in your home, before you want to embrace it as a right, you better embrace it as a weight and a responsibility and understanding that you will stand before the Lord and be held accountable for how you led. And ladies, I would say respect your husband's leadership as he follows Christ. Be reminded of your incredible value to the Lord, to your family, to this church. You have amazing gifts, God-given gifts that bring immense value to, to your family, to this community, to the church, ultimately to the kingdom. Man, our heart here is we want to help you be all that God has called you to be. And so we honor God when we obey his rightful design. Would you bow your heads with me today? Moments like this, I'm trusting that the Spirit of God is much more effective of leveraging His Word than I am. Maybe you're here today and you look at the relationships in your life and You've just seen one broken relationship after another. Maybe today this passage, such a strange passage, but maybe the Spirit of God's just speaking to you that, listen, you've tried relationships your way. You've never considered that God has His way. As you begin to think about that more, maybe you consider that, you know what, you've tried everything your way and you've never trusted God to follow him his way. Maybe today, I don't put it outside of the power of God. He can do whatever he wants. Maybe today in a passage like this, the spirit of God is knocking so clearly on your heart of saying, man, I've tried things my way. I need to trust God. Today, you need to put your faith in his death, burial, and resurrection. Ask him to come into your life to forgive you of your sin take that old heart away and to give you a new heart, a new life, a new start. Maybe today for you, you find yourself in a marriage and this text is just a reminder for us of God's design and husbands. And I pray that the Spirit of God helps you to feel that weight again today, the call to lead well, but also to be reminded that the Lord will strengthen us If we try to do it on our own, we'll fail. And so we have to press hard into him to be the men that God's called us to be. And ladies, today that you would hear God's design, that you would follow that leadership and that you would follow well, knowing that that doesn't devalue you. You have immense worth created in the image of God incredible gift to your family and to this community, this church, and the world. Today, you would aspire to be all that God has called you and gifted you to be in the design that he has laid out for you. Maybe today you're here and you're not married. And today you'd be reminded that if you're a man, that you'd be living now 
so that if that day comes, that you'd be prepared to lead. You don't start leading on that day, you start leading today. If you're a lady, that day comes for you. You wouldn't just settle for a man that looks good, that smells good, that drives a nice car. But as you consider taking those vows, that you know this is a man that I can follow as he follows Christ. The Spirit of God, I'm just asking today that you, <laughs> that you would take today and if there's anything that has been said that is untrue, that is not right, that has been misunderstood, that you would just wash it away. Lord, I pray that we would trust you and trust your design and trust your plan for what it looks like in the home and in the church. And that each of us would, would follow hard after you and strive to, to be all that you've created to be and the opportunities that you've given us. Lord, if there is someone here today that has never trusted in you, they've trusted things their way. But God, I pray that they would see today that even in relationships, that God, that you have a plan, that you have a plan for their life and today would be the day that they would say yes to you. Lord, help us to honor you by obeying your design. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, we hope, again, that you were uh, encouraged by what God had to say for you and for your life. I just want to extend an invitation for you today. Maybe today you realize that you need Jesus in your life. Maybe today you just need to take that next step in your spiritual walk, or maybe you've got a spiritual need. And I want you to know that we would love to come alongside you and serve you any way that we can. Feel free to reach out to us at firstwest.cc, or you can call the church, 318 322 5104. And we would love to help you in what God is doing in your life. Have a great day.